John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we come to you this morning asking that you, by your Spirit, would open our hearts and our minds, that you would give us light this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our passage this morning starts with the words, in the beginning, which of course harkens back to those very famous words at the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if we go back to Genesis chapter 1, we remember that in a sense, all was not good at the very beginning. In verse 2, Uh, We read this, that the earth was out without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Tohu vabohu is actually the Hebrew. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Formless and void. Those were not good words. Those were not good descriptions about the chaos that was there, that there was was an anticipation that the Lord was going to do this work where he was going to form and fill this, this unformed chaotic environment, and it was described as darkness. There was darkness over the deep. Again, our series this month is entitled After the Darkness Light, after the darkness of sin, after the darkness of separation from God, of defeat, of cataclysm, of depression. After all these things, there is light In our passage, John chapter 1 uses the language of creation when it says, in the beginning was the word. What was the first word uh, spoken at creation? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And this was before the creation of the sun and the stars, right? Let there be light. He spoke it, and light came into existence, the first word that was spoken. And so this this word that was spoken is so associated with God that God is said to be the word. In the beginning was the word, the word that sent this world, brought light to this world. God was the word. That would bring light to a world that was plunged into darkness by sin, by the fall, and by the curse. 
here as recorded in John chapter 1. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. How is somebody with God and God at the same time? Spoiler alert, we get down to verse 14 and we find out that the Word is revealed in no uncertain terms as Jesus Christ. And so we find here in John chapter 1 this very important uh, description of the Trinity, as theologians call it, one God. In the Nicene Creed that we said together today, we talked about God being of one substance. So three persons, one substance, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a mystery. How does this work? Very clearly, the Bible teaches there is one God that exists in three persons. And so we see that mystery wrapped up in the language of the very beginning of John chapter 1. He was, the word was with God, and the word was God. There is community in the Trinity, and yet there is unity and oneness in the Trinity. And so this word existed from all eternity. He was the agent of creation. John 1, 3 says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In a similar way, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1, 16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. In verse 13, the Apostle Paul identifies who this person is. This is the Son And so the Son of God existed from all eternity. The Son of God didn't come into being with the incarnation when Jesus was born in the flesh. The Son is the eternal Son from all eternity, existing as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship. Uh, Just this week, there was a report in the journal Nature that uh, various news reports uh, Uh, spoke of. CNN, for instance, said a planet has been found orbiting in a double star system that is so hot and massive that some astronomers didn't think a planet could exist around it. The giant exoplanet located outside of our solar system was discovered orbiting B. Centuri, a stellar pair located 325 light years from Earth. This is the hottest and most massive planet hosting star system found so far. The Giant B-century binary star has at least six times the mass of our sun. The giant planet is ten times as massive as Jupiter. It is one of the most massive planets ever found. This creation, this world, this universe uh, that we uh, live in is massive. It's it's almost tempting to say it's infinite. It's so huge. It's not infinite. Uh, But it's beyond our ability to comprehend it, and we're always discovering more and more and more about it. The Word, the eternal Word, the eternal Son of God, created that planet and everything else that exists. Again, John says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, you might have some people come to your door knock on the door. I mentioned them in passing last week, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they'll look at this passage if you say, is Jesus Christ God? And they will, if you push them on it, they'll say no. And they'll say, well, this should be translated a God uh, here in John chapter one. And I always go, well, 
you know, we can talk about the predicate nominative of the Greek and all that, but let's just go to some clear, uh, very clear statements. And so one of those clear statements is right here. So let's go back to Genesis 1.1, which talks clearly about the one true God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what does it say here in John 1? In the beginning was the word, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Same person, same individual, same being, God. Now, kids, I want to talk to you. You've been in Sunday school. You've learned a few things. The catechism, this was not set up in advance, but I want you to help me out here, kids, okay? You can talk in church now. Who made you? Very good. And the second question, what else did God make? What else did God make? All things. God made all things. He made everything. What did Jesus make? All things. What did Jesus do? He made you. Okay, the second person of the Trinity, the Son from all eternity, before he was the person Jesus, was the creator of the universe. And so he is the source of life. He's the source of life. He's the giver of life in general to plants and animals and fish and birds, according to Genesis chapter 1. And yet what we find is even though he is in general the giver of life, he is life in who he is, that there is this specific reference to human beings and the life that he brings to human, human beings. John 1, 4 says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Why is it that we can say Jesus is the light? Because he is the possessor of life. He gives life. He created life. And he has the ability to give men and women life. And we find here in verse 14, jump ahead a little bit if you're following in your Bibles, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, there's a specific focus here in John on the Son, the word, bringing life and light to people, so much so that he took on a body And he took on a soul of a human being. He did not give up his deity. He took on humanity and retained his deity. Truly God and truly man. And so again, this is an opposition to various heresies that have cropped up. Like the Arian heresy, uh, the Jehovah's Witness say uh, basically that. You've got others in the early church. Uh, You see that the, the Apostle John was... Uh, combating a view called um, a docetism, that Jesus only appeared to be a man. Um, but there is this robust connection here in John 1 and the rest of the scriptures between God and man. The creator has become one of us without giving up his deity. And so that means that he is the source of life. The source of life has taken on humanity. And there's particular reference to this life-giving nature that God has 
and us. It has profound meaning to us. It elevates humanity. And so if we are to elevate humanity, then we need to focus on Christ. We need to have a God focus. He has linked us with himself forever in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't become God. We're humans. But in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, when he took on a human body and nature, he cherished humanity in a way that he has not cherished any other living creation. And so practically speaking, you can look for affirmation personally and as, the, as human beings, you can go on Facebook or social media, right, and look for affirmation of your humanity. And that's going to go up and down as people like you, as people don't like you, as people speak good things about you, as people speak bad things about you. Uh, your self-concept is going to go up and down in terms of the affirmation of humanity in general and you in particular. Should the unborn be valued and protected? Should the poor and the weak be protected from harm and mistreatment? Should there be a robust system of justice that both ensures that there's appropriate conviction of criminals and also prevents the false conviction of the innocent? Why? Why? If it's not tethered to something... It's tethered to the humanity itself, which changes from year to year and person to person and era to era in terms of this subjective value that is placed on humans. No, it's tethered to the person of Jesus Christ, who is life and has come here and taken on humanity himself. You know, one thing that Jesus Christ did when he took on humanity is he didn't become a man and stay in heaven. He could have done that in terms of saying, I'm with you guys. I'm going to become, take on a human body, but it's going to be a divinized human body, not subject to death. Now, after resurrection and glorification, Jesus Christ is not subject to death. That's one of the things we look forward to about receiving life in Jesus Christ, that we too, in Christ, will receive a body that will not be subject to death one day. But when Jesus came, he was born of the Virgin Mary. He was born, he had flesh and blood. It was subject to death. And when he came, it wasn't because God didn't have anything to do. You know, he was kind of running out of ideas. And so what can I do? Oh, I can take on, you know, I could become a human being. That'd be fun. No, there was a purpose There was a purpose in it. We were in darkness and we needed light and we needed life. And so he came for a purpose to take on this body subject to death so that he might live the life that you have not lived and I've not lived. He lived the perfect life and he died so that we might experience the resurrection life that he that he experienced, that he was raised up. And so those who believe in Jesus will experience that well as well. He did that for us. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He came here for a purpose, to overcome the darkness. So what's your response to the light? Will you receive it? 
The night before Hurricane Michael hit, uh, Dave Smith and I saw Dave here. Dave Smith and I went on a little field trip to Home Depot. And while I was there, we got little items that we thought might be kind of fun, you know, to have for our, our little hurricane that we were going to experience. And, um, and so I got, a, I got a flashlight. It was kind of a nice flashlight, you know, and it had a little clip on it. And, and I, that flashlight never left me for many weeks. I had that thing clipped on my belt with me. It was the most valuable commodity I had because in the dark, there was no light. I couldn't flip on a light switch, right? And so that light was all important. And my question is, will you receive the light? What's your attitude toward the light? Verse 9 says this, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so this was, this was something that could, was for everybody. It was an offer for everybody. This light was coming into the world. It gives light to everyone. But the problem was that many people, most people, in fact, have rejected the light. John 1.10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And even the people that would have been expected to respond enthusiastically, his own people, Jewish ethnic people like his mother, he came to his own, it says in verse 11, and his own people did not receive him. But the good news is in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So there, there is a receiving of the word, of Jesus, of the light, and of the light of the world. And it's defined by believing in his name. Believing in his name. What is, it, what is this name business? What does that mean? We don't talk that way today. F.F. Bruce, a Christian scholar, said this. He said, the name is much more than the designation by which a person is known. It means the real character of someone as here, the person himself. To receive him who is the word of God then means to place one's faith in him, to yield one's allegiance to him, and thus in the most practical manner to acknowledge his claims. When I was in high school, there was a debate among the Christian community at the time. It was called the lordship debate. I don't know, some of you may be familiar with that terminology. And basically it was this. Some people would say, you need to receive Jesus as Savior. And others said, no, you need to receive Jesus both as Savior and Lord. And there was a big debate about that and what that meant. and, and, And I won't go into all that. But I remember as I went to, um, uh, as a high school student at a Christian high school, we would have different chapel speakers come in from the outside. And I was always that guy that would come up afterwards and I would say, I would ask questions. And so I said to every single one that came in during this period, do you have to receive Jesus as Savior or do you have to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord? And the best response I got was a guy who said this. He paused and he said, You have to receive Jesus. He said, Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is a lot of other things. You receive Jesus for who he is, right? We receive Jesus and all that Jesus is. Jesus is the light. And Jesus gives us light. 
Uh, We receive the light, and part of what that means, you know, the light, the blessing coming out of darkness, we see here wrapped up in the, the terminology of becoming the children of God. Those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. We're adopted into the family of God. We go from estrangement to intimacy with God. And there's a basic standpoint of status that changes. Now, status can sound like a dry and dusty uh, term, but it's really not. Every once in a while, after the worship service is over, I'll be talking to you and I'll be talking to a mom. And uh, in the course of that, one of the mom's kids will come up, a little kid, you know, come up right next to me and lean up against my leg, sometimes even grab on my leg. And you say, oh, isn't that nice? They love their pastor. No, they look up and they're in horror because they think I'm their dad, right? And so they back off immediately, right? I don't have the status of dad. Uh, Somebody knocks on your door Christmas Day. You open the door, it's a stranger there. They say, Mom, Dad, when are we going to eat? And you say, "Uh, I think I'll call the police. I think we have somebody not thinking correctly here, right? It is not a light thing to have the status of a son or a daughter of God. We have received the status. When we receive Jesus by faith, we receive adoption into the family of God. We experience closeness. We experience even the inheritance that is promised to family members. And we receive the right to become children of God by adoption, not by blood. You know, Jesus was flesh and blood. He was of a certain ethnicity. But it says, uh, those who were born of him, verse 13, were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. In other words, not born in a natural, physical way, like everybody else is born, but we're born in a different way. You know, there's a popular contemporary song, Christian song, <clears throat> that, uh, that says, I am a child of God, I am a child of God, and your blood flows through my veins. No, it doesn't. <laughs> the blood of Christ does not flow through your, bl- your veins. We are a child of God, and we're a child of God by means of adoption. And yet, unlike human adoption, there is a birth that takes place. It's a spiritual birth, not a physical one. And we read of this when we get to John chapter 3 and Jesus' encounter with a a man by the name of Nicodemus. And so he says in John chapter 3 verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So we're born of God, 
We're born of the Spirit of God, and there we see the third member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so as a result of this being born again, born of the Spirit, the famous John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Life, eternal life, eternal relationship, eternal fellowship with God, a recreated, redeemed, glorified body someday, and soul that will be made to be like our Savior's. You see, you receive all that, all that life, all that light when you receive Jesus, the word. You receive Jesus by believing in his name, by believing in all that he is. And so today, would you receive him by faith? Would you receive him by faith? You know, if I had instead, when I went on my field trip of buying one flashlight, I bought 100 flashlights. And the, the night after the hurricane, I went around to my neighbors and I said, I would like to give you a flashlight. I have a feeling there would have been lots of takers, right? They would have seen their need for a flashlight, a light in the dark. And so today my question is for you. Do you understand? Do you see? Do you know that you need the light in your life after darkness? The light that comes through receiving the light, Jesus Christ, by faith, by trusting in him and all that he is and all that he brings. And so some of this, you know, right now, it's true for all of us. Some of us, we know who Jesus is. We trust in Jesus. We trust in him as our savior. And yet we learn and we grow throughout all of our lives. Will you, will you receive Jesus? Will you trust in his name and understand what it means to experience right now life and light because Jesus has come to you? And so Christmas is a time when we sing of these things. Hark the herald angels sing, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, indeed. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the person of Jesus Christ, your son. We thank you that he is, he is our life and that he is the light of the world. And we trust in him. We ask you, Father, to give us a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is through your word here today, that we might trust in his name, that we might experience what it means to receive light and to come out of the darkness. We pray, Father, that you would do this for our good and for your glory's sake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's continue to praise him by singing the hymn, As with Gladness Men of Old. Let's stand and sing.